Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. What is going on, folks? Welcome in to Marco Simone here for the Ryder Cup in Rome, actually inside of the media center now, but spent most of the day out on the golf course today, which was incredible because our open radio coverage, which, well, that's what we call it when we're at the open. It's now called Ryder Cup Radio. Same crew, same family. Uh, we are on the air right now. If you go to RyderCup.com, if you get the Ryder Cup app, you can hear our coverage. So it's all preview stuff right now. So what my assignment was this morning, which was really cool and really fun, was that I was sent out with the American team as they were getting ready for their practice. At uh, And these times are approximate because I likened it kind of like times that airports tell you that planes are going to be leaving. It's an ish. At 9.45 a.m., Max Homa, Wyndham Clark, Ricky Fowler, and Brian Harmon went out at 10 a.m., Obviously, all these times are local here in Rome. 10 a.m., uh, Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth, Colin Morikawa, and Sam Burns. At 10.15, Xander Shoffley, uh, Scotty Scheffler, Patrick Cantlay, and Brooks Kepka. And I want to tell you about how that went, and I will. Uh, but first, we have some players to hear from today. Uh, it's busy. There's a lot of people around. There's a big celebrity event that's going on right now out on the golf course. I know Garrick Bale is there. Uh, the tennis player, Djokovic, is out there. I just watched him almost break his wrist in rough that was about that deep. Uh, and, and I want to talk to you a little bit about the golf course and kind of the discoveries that we're all making, all of us in the broadcast crew, are about this golf course because we really don't know it very well. Uh, it is the host site of the Italian Open, but until you see the golf course with your naked eye, you can't appreciate uh, the undulations and the changes. Again, I'll get into that as well. But first, uh, Justin Thomas addressed the media. And for DJ, he was asked about, you know, I guess maybe it's because of Bill Belichick or what have you, but you know, the whole phrase in, in sports, American sports, where they talk about the noise. And so I'm kind of paraphrasing the, the question differently than, than uh, was asked by the original journalist. But in essence, they were asked, how do you shut out the noise uh, all the speculation and talk and chatter about how you were picked for this team and whether you should be here. I definitely haven't kept the receipts. I mean, I feel like there's not really any good that can come from that. Um, I, after I was, I was picked for the team. I mean, it, it doesn't matter what it is, you know, they're, they're, especially when it comes to people and stuff online, everybody's got an opinion and theirs is right. And everybody else's is wrong. Uh, at least that's what it generally seems to, to be. So I, I, for that exact reason, I, I stayed away from social media. I stayed away from stuff online because uh, I just knew that nothing good was going to come of it. But the only thing that mattered to me was that the the Zach and the vice captains and the, I guess at that time, other six guys in the team wanted me on the team. And, and I mean, we Zach and I had had discussions, um, you know, whenever it was before the picks, and and I. And, and that was kind of my what I told him is I'm like, look, obviously, I, I, I of course I want to be on the team. Yeah, I, I think in, that I can compete and I can go out there and I can do great for the team. But at the end of the day, if you guys and the, and the guys, those six guys in that room don't think that I'm what's best for the team, then I don't deserve to go. So that's that's been my 
thought the whole time, and um, I'm very glad that they that they did and do have faith in me. And and now that I'm here, I'm all of us hold the same weight as the other one. We're all we're all one, and uh, and our job just just to go out there and try to win points. Yeah, that is true. A six two and one record for. Uh, for his his uh, let me see how many Ryder Cups two times uh, that JT's been in the Ryder Cup three times in the Presidents Cup in ten three and two in regards to that so he's got an overwhelmingly good record I I was watching him warm up today that was part of what I did early they they pretty much let me go wherever I want which is classic so I went down to the practice grounds which included the putting greens the chipping greens the bunkers and the driving range and so I spent most of my time down on the driving range and. I, his father, Mike, there was a lot of talk and speculation, like what, what's what's his dad doing? What's his role with, with Justin now? Is he still his primary coach, et cetera? His dad was right there, just like always. He was behind him watching him hit these different shots, and he was hitting a whole variety of shots. And I will tell you one fun thing that happened. So here it was JT, and then right next to him was Brian Harmon, right? Now, the, this is a big range, so it's not like they were close. Their backs were close to each other. They were probably 15 feet at least apart. But, you know, they're hitting shots and they're chatting away a little bit. And so at one point, Harmon or JT said to each other, let me hit your shot. So now you had, you know, you had uh, Brian Harmon hitting from the left and he turns and he's got one of Justin Thomas's clubs to hit from the right and the opposite for JT. He's got one, one of Brian's clubs and he's going to hit from the left. And it was it was really cool to see because you know we hear all the things about the the, the great athletes right like like um, you know Dustin Johnson they say Dustin Johnson is nearly as good lefty as he is righty well I can tell you that Brian Harmon as a righty and Justin Thomas as a lefty were nowhere near as good as they weren't even they weren't they were like beginning golfers it was classic so they tried a couple shots and then finally JT hit one halfway decent you know like maybe a twenty to twenty. 30 handicapper would hit a shot. It kind of looped out there, <laughs> big old slice, you know. And when he did it, the gallery that was lined up all the way down the, the right side along the rope line applauded him. They were being really kind to him, like, good job, nice try, nice try. And then Brian Harmon tried to hit a righty shot, and he was even worse. It was just, they didn't applaud him, just just to let you know. So it was, it was classic, and it was neat to see that kind of level of fun. So... You know, when you think about how are these players dealing with this, you know, cauldron of emotions that it was. So I spent a lot of time watching them. Um, I spent a little, I, I spent some time watching Jordan Spieth and Jordan Spieth was right next to Sam Burns and Jordan was Jordan. He seemed very technical to me. It seemed like he was working really hard to, 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 to be in the right position for his golf swing versus just getting up there and ripping, ripping golf balls and feeling relaxed and, and doing what he does. Uh, Jordan was asked about the the fact that this losing streak on European soil is 30 years old. And he was asked by the media if the U.S. team uses that as fuel. I said it at Whistling Straits after the round. I said, it. this is really nice, but until we win one over there, nobody can talk about a change in the Ryder Cup or the U.S. or anything like that. And um, having said that, I don't think the Europeans are underestimating us by any means. Um, I think it's going to be a really, really good match this year. Uh, I think they have guys that are playing fantastic golf, especially of late, in really good form with an unbelievable crowd behind them. And we got a really tall task, but we have a we have a phenomenal group of guys as well. 
All right, Jordan Spieth, a 13-time PGA Tour winner, three-time major champion. You can see he had one runner-up and seven top-10 finishes in the season that just concluded. Four Ryder Cups coming into this week in 14, 16, 18, 21. Four times in the President's Cup, 13, 15, 17, and 23. His Ryder Cup record is 8, 7, and 3. Right? I've, I've, I've said that number before, and some people have gotten back and saying, geez, I thought Jordan Spieth would have had a better record than that. It tells you how tight these competitions are. He still has a winning record, full credit. President's Cup record, 13-5-1 for Justin Thomas. Now, on the European side, John Rahm was asked about, you know, he's going to be, he's, he's going to be a leader. He's an emotional guy. Uh, you know, he's constantly being asked about Spanish legends, primarily Seve Ballesteros, but also Ali, who I saw out here today, Jose Maria. Um, and, you know, it's understandable that he's going to be asked the questions about I think anybody that, that that's cares about the Ryder Cup is going to tell you it's about what the team does. But he was asked if his individual record and the legacy that may bring is important to him. It's it's very important. Uh, it's an added benefit, right? Uh, it's a big deal to make the Ryder Cup. It's a big deal to represent Europe. And you want to have that good, strong showing, right? You, you do remember the people that, that led this team many, many times to win. But again... I hope I have a terrible record and, and keep winning Karate Cubs. That would be amazing. Uh, I would love to be able to say that, but you want to be one of those, right? I mean, you want to do what Jose did and what Sergio and Sevi, even though Sevi wins zero points his first two Ryder Cups. Um, you want to be that, that spark that people see. You want to be that, that, that aspect of positivity in the team, right? You want to be that impact. Uh, latest one we had was Ian Poulter, and I would love to be the next guy that was able to do something like that. All right, so John Rahm talking about the role that he'd like to have for his Ryder Cup team. Like I said, I expect that he's going to take up a leadership position, an 11-time winner on the PGA Tour, 10 on the DP World Tour, formerly called the European Tour, and some of those double over, just in fairness. A two-time major champion, fourth on tour in strokes gain approach, which is going to be a huge help this week. You can see it, plus 0.33, sixth on tour in strokes gain total, rock solid. Two prior Ryder Cups in 18 and 21, and his record is 4-3-1. So a winning record for John Rahm as well. Now, as to what I was telling you about today and all the things I'm, I'm trying to sort, uh, and Dom would probably be yelling at me right now or even coming down the air and saying the same, don't try to get it all in at once. But uh, a, a few observations. One is that yeah, Dom just said, calm down, slow down. Um, the golf course itself, is extremely undulating and some of the some of the shots that the player is going to be asked to hit they will not be able to see the bottom half of the flag because because of the hills and the way they built it in many cases they built the green complex at the top of of these big hills and mounds and there's a number of holes like 15 in particular i would tell you is a false front but it's more than just that because the front of the green is a false front and then it goes down another 30 or 40 feet with this really steep hill in front so if you come up short and it rolls you're gonna you're gonna just keep rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling it's amazing it's just the golf course is amazing i do think the greens are complicated um and if that sounds like it's a nice way of me saying that they're overdone i am saying that uh the, there's there's so much undulation in the green complex. You, you guys may already be aware. My, my philosophy is when it comes to greens, that green complexes tend to reveal an architect's insecurities. The architects never like it when I say that, but that's my honest opinion on it. And these greens are like that. So what they have is they're, they're, they're greens inside of greens inside of greens. 
You know what I'm saying? So the, where they put the pins are going to have a massive impact. So we've, we've been told so much this week that, that uh, approach shots are going to be one of the determining factors of success here at Marco Simone. But I think it, that luck is going to also play a huge factor. Depending, unless they put it in, in the broader, flatter areas of the, the respective greens. But I'm just telling you, they have the ability to pick corners uh, in, on these greens that are going to make it very, very complicated. Uh, it's a great golf course. Pass Palum um, in, in the fairways, uh, bent grass on the green complex is really cool. So here I was. I was sent out to one. Uh, as I mentioned to you, the, the group of Homa, Clark, Fowler, and Harmon had gone off. And I'd watch those guys warm up. By the time they went to tee, they, they teed off pretty fast and went. So by the time I got up there, I watched uh, JT, Spieth, Morikawa, and Sam Burns. Of, of all four hit really good drives on number one. But it was classic because all the people that started coming through. Um, I saw Keith Pelly, who's the chief executive of the European Tour, was talking to him. He told me his boy goes to Sacred Heart in Connecticut playing Division One golf, which was cool. Um, Jay Monahan was there. And I do what I always do. I walk up and I say, hey, Jay, Matt Adams. He's like, I know who you are, man, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, he was – it was interesting because if if the union with PIF comes together and the DP World Tour becomes part of that umbrella, then that – and if Jay is running the overall show, that means Jay ultimately would be the guy that they would answer to on the European side of the Ryder Cup. Just one – Little aside, I'm not sure if anybody had thought about before, but I was thinking about it as I was watching them out there today. You know, it was kind of like Jay was out there with it. it, was, it was, he, had a, he had a sport coat on, which I, I thought was bold because it was about 90 degrees. Uh, but Jay was out there walking with Keith, and it kind of felt like, you know, kicking tires type of thing. I'll, I'll be honest with you, that's, that was a feeling I had. Um, I saw Davis of the 30 came buzzing by in a card. He stopped and said hello told me his son drew got uh, got engaged yesterday so say congratulations to him for that um had tom layman on the show and, and was talking to him about you know mindset and how do you try to keep a team loose remember he was the the captain of the Ryder cup team in 2006 at the k club in ireland um so there were others out there too i'm trying to remember everybody else freddie couples uh, i saw out there uh stewart sink out there this is some of the video that that i just shot this on my phone this is just me standing where i you know waiting for me to do my hits and thought i'd do some videos of of the the different players teeing off then we went out i I was following that last group which was shoffley scotty scheffler patrick cantley and brooks kepka um scotty's dad whose name is scott came up and was chatting away it was really cool talking to him um, and, and, and you might find this of interest, just kind of, you know, personal stuff. You're having a conversation. I was asking him about, you know, where he played when, when he's from New Jersey. And I was saying, you know, where'd you play? He was, he was from uh, Bergen County from Ridgewood. He goes, oh, I didn't play. He says, I don't play golf. You know, maybe every now and then I'll kind of hit it around. He said, my son took me out to Augusta. And it was funny because he said that when Scotty called him and said, hey, dad, you know, we're going to play Augusta. He was like, no, no, no. Scotty, I don't want to play Augusta. I, that's, you know, I don't want to, I'm not ready to play Augusta. And he was like, dad, I wasn't requesting. We're playing Augusta. So he played Augusta with his son. And it was, it was nice because when Scotty came up to the tee and he saw his dad and mom there, he gave him a big hug and all the rest. And I just, I just thought it was cool. And I said that to his dad. I said, I, I think it's cool that you're here, that you can kind of try to help your son stay level and, you know, calm and all the rest. Uh, but anyway, it was, re- it was really neat. Uh, 
for for Scott Scheffler to come out and chat. And, and Dom, he said he was, he was a longtime fan of, of the show. He's been listening to us for years. He asked about about you and all the rest. So it was it was a really neat feeling. The the overall vibe here right now is is one of enthusiasm. It's one of excitement. Um, you know, I'm not too much into reading the tea leaves of body language, but like I told you, I thought I thought Sam Burns and, and uh, Jordan Spieth were searching a little bit for something to drive range, but you could you could surmise that every week, right? Uh, whereas whereas some of the other guys were were more loose and having fun uh, out on the golf course with with that group of uh, Cantlay and Shoffley. Obviously, those two. I mean, Freddie already said he thinks they're going they're going to play four matches uh, together. So that that or four sessions together that doesn't surprise me. But Scotty Scheffler and Brooks Kepka be an interesting look there wouldn't it instead of you know the fact that they were together instead of uh sam burns being with them maybe they're just trying some different things and mixing it up because remember we're going to start with uh the, the foursomes instead of the four balls on uh, friday morning so that's what happened today it was it was it was a, a great day out there very warm day out there you can tell i've still got my hat on all the rest because we're sweating like crazy but having fun now when we come back here on the fairways of life show live from rome aside from anything dom may have with with comments from you guys we're going to be joined by one of our dear friends on the show, a man that was the 1992 PGA Tour Honor Palmer Award recipient. That's for Rookie of the Year. In fact, he beat Phil Mickelson out for the honor. Uh, Mark Carnivale, who's part of the world broadcast team for this Ryder Cup, will join us in just a few minutes, right on the other side of what we have for you here next, because we can talk to him about all kinds of different things. And one of the things I want to ask him about, remember, his father is in the Basketball Hall of Fame. Right. And one of the things I want to talk to him about is the, the comments that we heard the other day from from Tom Brady, where he was doing a lot of talk about golf. And he was basically saying the guys are too good of friends. And to be great, to be truly great, you can't be buddies with your competition. What do you think about that? We'll find out what Carney thinks about that coming up right after this. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of the land. Yep, more than 60 big, beautiful stores spread out from coast to coast. You want it, you can find it right there, and you're shopping with the pros. Go and find your happy place. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses all set alongside world-famous scenery and visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. 
The Gen 6 iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date, and they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz. Sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. Welcome back to the Ryder Cup in Rome. We're inside of the media center. Matt Adams alongside of, oh, it's a pleasure, Mark Tarnavale, the 92 PGA Tour Rookie of the Year. It's called the Arnold Palmer Award. He, he was out in the golf course today, too. It was warm out there today, wasn't it? It was a little bit. <laughs> was a little, actually, I was just chatting with uh, Ian Carter and uh, Andrew from BBC uh, about what's the hot. Is this, I think this is probably going to be the hottest Ryder Cup in the sense of temperature-wise. has to be. has to be. So I can't remember. Medina got a little warm at times, but it was nothing like this. Whistling Straits, not even close. Right. Uh, you know, None of Hazeltine, the ones in Europe before this would have been Hazeltine, close. no. I mean, the only one would have been Valderrama, but I don't, I don't think it was warm there. No. Because I, I remember, guys, it was raining, and they were wearing sweaters and jackets. Right. So. Yeah, this yeah. one's going to be temperature- it's going to hover around 90 degrees for multiple days, which would be funny because we'll we'll be carting up and down the hills. When you actually saw the golf course, was there any of it that surprised you? As in? Any of it. Like the, the look, the layout. I heard it was going to be a hard walk, and I don't know. I don't, it didn't seem all that difficult to me. Um, and particularly like holes six and then eight and nine. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I mean, it was definitely uphill, but I used to walk Castle Pines. I mean, that's <laughs> this is nothing like Castle Pines. Yeah, it'll, but it'll it's, be fine. It's, I, I thought it was interesting. The, the, the green complexes are pretty interesting. They're, they're rather large. There's a lot of undulation to them. Uh, a lot of little runoffs, little areas that they yeah. can hide some pins in that could be pretty challenging to get the ball to close to. Uh, the other thing was the bunkering. I thought was very interesting. You know, it's like they do in uh, Australia where they. Basically, oh, yeah. pat down the sides. Yep. But the bottom only the only part that's raked is the bottom. Yeah. So everything will come down to the bottom of the bunker. Uh, hopefully, as I was talking to Davis Love out there, he said, "Hopefully, it comes down." Yeah, he says, "Yeah, hopefully." And actually, it does. It's pretty cool looking. It, it's interesting, but I looked at it, it; almost looked like it was there was hard ground under the sides. Well, what but the, I think it's how they the process. They yeah. Use. What they what they actually are trying to do is Carney's explaining to us is they're trying to get the sides really hard. They do want it to be hard. They yeah. don't want it to plug. Yeah. And to do that, they have to continue to roll it, roll it, roll it, and, and, and 
turn the rake over, et cetera, et cetera, and then rake the bottom of it. It's it's kind of it's a long process to do. It's not easy. I would I would think so. Yeah, <laughs> that's, uh, that's a lot of manpower. A lot of manpower, but yeah. I have a feeling for the Ryder Cup, they they have that opportunity. Have you had a chance to enjoy uh, Italy at all? I mean, obviously your your last name is kind of out. Yes, uh, quite a bit. Uh, and and uh, Liz and I came over here. We flew over last Wednesday, so we arrived on Thursday morning. Uh, which will be, we have been here basically a week now. Oh, uh, we spent the night, actually, we didn't know it at the time, but we spent the night at the, the uh, Roma Cavagliari, which is the Waldorf Astoria, which is the host hotel for both teams. Oh, didn't know that what? when I made the booking. Was anybody in there yet? No, there, but they were, they were working rather quickly oh to put gosh. up uh, makeshift bars around the, around the property. Wow. Um, so they're cool. uh, anticipating that. So we spent one night. Got up the next day, took the train to Venice. Spent get that up there. Spent two days in Venice, two nights in Venice. Oh, did you really? Yeah. Oh. And because it's been almost fifty years since I was here, I last came in 1974 with my parents. How far back does your family go? Uh, well, that goes back to actually Yugoslavia. My father's side migrating to Italy in the northern part of Italy. Uh, they migrated to a town called Carizia, which is just north of Venice. Um, I don't know, you know. <laughs> so when did you get the Carnival name? What, what, oh, I, that's, I, that's somewhere, I don't know. Somewhere along the line they yeah, adapted actually, when it. We were there, when we were here in 74, we had dinner with some sort of relative at, at a house just north in Carizia, north of Venice. Um, and then my so my cool. grandmother, my father's mother, of course, my mother's Irish, so there's a lot of complicated things going on there. But my my father's mother... Her family was from near Naples. Okay. So, but they were, they were once removed from coming over. So their parents, yeah. my great grandparents, I think are the ones that came over. Classic. Um, Absolute classic. But then we went to Florence. We took the train to Florence the one night. Then we rented a car and we drove to Montalcino in Tuscany. We went there, went to a vineyard, bought some wine, <laughs> shipping home. Um, and then yesterday we drove from Montalcino down here through the rest of Tuscany. You know I'm an idiot. I don't know anything yes. about wine. Everything about wine I asked Carney about. But given the heat of this area, I'm assuming that 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 Italy's not big on the red wine. Oh no no. <laughs> See, no. See, Montalcino is the home of Brunello. Okay. Brunello de Montalcino. So it has to do with the process and where the grape is from to be classified as Brunello. And, uh, you know, there's Barolo. You, they talk about super Tuscans. It's all good. Man. <laughs> but I didn't even know that. But it was uh, this old, this beautiful town. It's old little, you know, medieval town. It sits oh. up on top of this, this hill. And we actually drove down through Siena the first day on Monday. And we were looking for the Domo and basically the cathedral. Yeah. And every, and every little town has a cathedral. And Liz wanted to see the one in Siena. We're driving. It's nothing but people. And we're driving through the streets in my car, in the rental car. And she's like freaking out. And I'm like, we're good. Did Thanks you channel for- your Italian and say, get out of the way? I, I just, you know, beat the horn a couple times. Oh, it was horn, horn beeping. It goes out. It's a lot uh, of horn beeping around. There. But it was, it was, it was a blast. We, we had a great time. And I'm, I'm six days of vacation is good. You're ready to work. I'm ready to go work. Yeah, I, me too. And we're all excited about it too. What do you think that with everything that's gone on in the world of golf over the last couple of years, since we had a Ryder Cup, 
What do you think this Ryder Cup then means to golf? Well, I, I think that it's going to represent something, and hopefully it just brings out the true beauty of golf mm. and the importance of golf in general. And, you know, it, it's you can refer to it as golf's Olympics. I mean, you had the, the Solheim Cup last week, and now we've got the Ryder Cup this week. You know, all these athletes may participate for teams in other countries and around the world, but they gather together, they come together for the biggest sporting event in their sport. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm whatever, whatever with whatever people want to talk about with live and everything else. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't think anyone really knows. I mean, certainly a lot's been talked about what will happen. I don't know if it will. But in reality, if you're a player, you want to be able to play against the best, team with the best. And it, it's about, it's, this is really about country. You know, it's, it's had a long, Ryder Cup's had a long history. Uh, it's been dominated by the Europeans with the last 30 years for the most part. Yeah. Um, and I think it's just, I want to see it a good competition. I think it's going to be very interesting being here in Rome. They're not, I would think Roman golf fans are probably not thought of specifically as being golf fans. No. You know, it's, uh, but golf's so worldwide as you know it. I, I think it's going to be interesting to see how they respond because, as you know, you've been to enough of these Ryder Cups. It can get a little testy out there amongst oh, yeah. the fans. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah and, yeah, and you know, there's back and forth with the players, and I think players understand what it is. Mm-hmm. And it's there's nothing personal in the sense. Yeah. You know, it's personal that Europe wants to beat the United States and vice versa, but there's nothing personal with the players. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just I, I hope it's really good because I think golf needs it. And I think it'd be great for Rome and, and Italy to host this and, and to be an amazing event. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing when you consider the fact that, you know, last time we were over here, we were in Paris, and this time we're in Rome. I mean, that's a pretty good one-two punch right there. And there is a great deal of, of excitement. And you know what surprised me is, I don't were you out at the first tee at all with the American teams teeing off? Oh, in recent Ryder Cups? Today. No, no, I wasn't there today. For the practice room. That's where I was assigned this morning. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of American fans here. Yeah, I A lot did. more than what I expected. I actually caught up to two of the three groupings, U.S. groupings today. I caught up uh, with Brooks and Scheffler and Xander and Cantlay. We were walking up six, and we saw them finish six and play seven. Mm-hmm. And then we went on walk, and I caught up on nine uh, with uh, Jordan, JT, Sam Burns. I'm trying to think who else he played. Who else he was out there with? Uh, it, Sam Burns was with JT, Jordan, and Colin Morikawa. And Colin, yeah. And there were a lot of fans. Oh, yeah. yeah for sure. So uh, it, it's, I think it's become this event, and, and certainly with it being the competition, because so many years it wasn't much of a competition. Right. Uh, I, I think it's created that interest and. In, I think golf fans. This is the first. This is love. my. This, that was a video wow. I took from from my phone this yeah. morning. You saw. I know what they're like. You know when they the days start, and particularly on Sunday, you know when the singles start. I mean that's just that's an amazing. But that's. Uh, I mean that's that's awesome. I mean, I think again as I said with the, with the growth of this game worldwide, and now this is you know people can come. They can spend a week. They can spend more than a week over here and really enjoy it. And it not only supports the game of golf, but it supports Italy. You know, we're over here spending money, and that, that's great for 
life in general is that yeah. is that too corny no it isn't it's it's great for life in general it's also great specifically for the game of golf okay so i'm going to ask you the same question from from two different directions why can the united states Ryder cup team win this week they're talented i mean that's why because they're these guys are are, are very talented and when when you put 12 guys and we can we can go back and you know debate the whole picks and was it right was it wrong i don't I don't think there was anything, any wrong picks, mm-hmm. you know, and I could understand him, uh, either captain picking whomever. I mean, I think that's the choice. That's you're the captain. Mm-hmm. You have that choice and you want to give your team the best chance to win. But I think they're very capable. Um, you know, and as when you play as a team, obviously it's a very different mindset. You still have to go out and perform as an individual, but it's not just about you. It's how can I help to contribute to make this team, to help this team win. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the challenge for guys. I mean, it's a challenge for the European. You know, there's all the talk about, oh, that, you know, the Europeans embrace this more than we do. Yeah, maybe at one point they did. I don't think it's, I don't personally think it's that way anymore. Mm-hmm. I think the Americans embrace it. They want to win. I mean, it's, 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 it's an innate desire as a golfer. You want to win. Sure. So I, I think, but I think they have to, they have to maybe not press the issue, press themselves. I think years after after being and and calling a number of Ryder Cups, I think sometimes players press, and that, that's understandable. They want to win, and so they they don't they don't go out there and play. They think golf too much. Just go play, play, well, the, play the game you love. You're kind of answering the second half of that question, which is why might the American team not win? Yeah, I think expectations not only theirs but everybody else's. It's hard. I mean, it's 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 difficult, and uh, you know we've got a football team in Jacksonville right now. It's kind of feeling that pressure. Unfortunately, a lot of expectations, and there's a lot of talk about how they're pressing too much, and just not they're not playing the game. They're trying to make the game happen, mm-hmm. and I think no matter what sports you do, you can't do that. You uh, hopefully I'm not uh, betraying something you said <laughs> in confidence, but right before we came on, you were saying that Ricky wasn't feeling too well. Is that something we can talk about? Yeah, I mean it, it was in the press conference, and they they. Um, Drew Stoltz, who, who's you know here with our with our team for SiriusXM, was was in there, and you know they, when they when they came in, they they said Ricky's not really feeling well, so I don't know if that, don't get too close, don't you know, yeah. whatever. But uh, and Drew said you could hear it sort of in his voice that whether it was a, a respiratory thing or, or what, um, but they, as far as I know, they they mentioned that in the press conference. Wow. So. Um, there's another thing that I wanted to do with you today, not to not to monopolize all your time, but we do appreciate whenever we get the opportunity, Carn. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carney's dad, as many of you already know, is in the Basketball Hall of Fame, uh, absolute legend. So he understands greatness. Uh, to achieve what Carney has achieved in the game of golf, to reach the pinnacle of being a part of the PGA Tour, to win at the game's highest level, Again, it's it's these are stepping stones to greatness that's not normal at, at all, and it's extremely difficult. So uh, this was a piece from a podcast called uh, Patrick Bet David, and this is Tom Brady talking about greatness from the perspective of how you interact with your other competitors. There wasn't a lot of smiley faces with me out there. There wasn't a lot of smiley faces with Michael Jordan. There weren't a lot of smiley faces with Kobe Bryant. There weren't a lot of smiley faces with Tiger Woods, right? Tiger wasn't trying to be friends with anybody. Tiger had no friends. 
Tiger's friends were guys that he knew he could kick their butt. Those were Tiger's friends. <laughs> and they were very happy to have their butts kicked by Tiger Woods to be his friend. <laughs> so Tiger had them right where he wanted yeah. them. And I think for me, like, even when I watch sports today and I see, like, golf's a good example. I see these guys on the range. Yeah. Like, they're all buddies and their caddies are friends. And, and I'm like, that's not the killer instinct. That's just not. I don't, I don't know how you can want to crush the competition because they are your competition, but then to, like, have dinner with them the next night. Yep. Now, I had a few friends, like, because maybe it was a long period of time, but I could count on one hand the num- number of maybe Peyton Manning and I, and I love Peyton. Maybe I've had dinner with him twice in 23 years. And it's yeah. not because I don't love him. I really do. Twice in 20 years. Probably. years. And, you know, our competition was always like, I looked up to him so much. I admired Peyton Manning. Like, I, I loved his game. I loved everything he did. But that guy, he, I, if, if we wanted to get where we wanted to go, we had to get through them. So I had to create something different in my mind. He couldn't be my friend. You know, when I see that with a lot of the guys that, you know, like Drew Brees. I love Drew. He was incredible. But he wasn't my friend. Now he's my friend because I'm not competing him against anymore. And I just think it's different now because of social media, the ability to connect with everybody. Everyone's friends now in sports all the time. And I'm like, I don't get that. Patrick Bet David podcast is where that clip was from. How does that strike you to hear, to hear you know, someone arguably the greatest <laughs> quarterback of all time or one of say you're not supposed to be friends with your competition? Doesn't surprise me coming from, from someone that's successful. And I think he had a lot of great points with Michael Jordan and certainly Tiger. I mean, I think... It's interesting. I think golf and, 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 and Tiger has been a unique force in this game. Mm-hmm. Been unique. I mean, the, just the accomplishments, everything. Uh, I think I remember early on him a, a statement he made about his mother said, you know, you get on their neck and you just stomp on their neck and you don't let them up, you know. Um, I get that. I, say that. Um, I, think, I think that's what she said. He, he, yeah, she yeah, did. You know? Lee Trevino told me the same thing one time. Um, and I get that. And I don't, and I'm not, I'm different. I don't know if I could be that way. I mean, I, I don't need someone to like me, but, you know, I wanted to beat everybody out there. But at the end of the day, if I didn't win, I was okay. I mean, Jack Nicholas wanted to beat you. So I think there's, there's a difference. And I think the perspective is when you're competing, acting that way, but when you're not, I mean, you don't want to be, a bad winner or a bad loser, right? Right. I mean, I think that was what people really probably never understood about Jack, uh, you know, and his greatness, that he was just as great and, and a loser. And it's probably, it's probably the wrong word to use. I don't think Jack liked it. But you know who he didn't like to, to. No, but you know who used to say that about him, still yeah. does, was Gary Player. Yeah. He would say, he is the greatest winner and the greatest loser in the history of the game. And I don't think Jack I think he's be called the maybe the most loser. courteous, you know, Gracious. Um, yeah, gracious, I can see that. Gracious yeah. is probably, you know, you're not a great loser. I don't care who you are. Um, but he's probably the most courteous and even accepting, maybe. Accepting. That's uh, It's it's a fine edge. He was a true gentleman. And, and it's, it, take the, the hat but, off and shake But if you hands. look at golf, I mean, I know the examples are probably not great of those who were that great. Right. You know, as a Brady, as I mean, and Brady mentioned Peyton Manning and so forth. I mean, those athletes and those players don't come along very often you know and, and certainly there are potential guys currently to kind of be like that right and i don't know if 
just the world in general has created different feelings amongst people. I don't know. I mean, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but I think that's interesting. I mean, I look back and, you know, and after, after watching that, I was kind of looking back on my career and I was like, man, maybe I was a little too nice at times, but it was, it was never all about me though, either. I never tried to make it about me, even when I was competing, you know, I looked at the bigger picture of the, what, what the, it meant for that tournament and that community and but I mean, you were you still were around some of the games. Yes. Right? Oh, mean, yeah. Did, did did Greg Norman make it about him? Yeah, kind of. Okay. <laughs> In my opinion. But fair enough. That goes yeah. to what he was talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I would have a hard time, but I I absolutely understand it. Um, you know, I mean, my my you mentioned my dad, and I know he was he was as fierce a competitor, coaching as, and I didn't get to experience enough of it, uh, but I heard plenty of stories about it. And I guess, you know, that's what you have to be. It's, and maybe you're being unselfish by being that way. I mean, the spotlight is on you and there's all these opportunities and being able to figure out how to do that, I think may be a challenge. And, uh, but that's something I think probably is very commonplace in, in those successful is that they, they just, they want to, beat you and they want to stop on you and they want to beat you again. Yeah. It's also, it also, as you can tell, makes for a pretty complicated conversation to cover all this different ground. Uh, before we lose you though, what are you going to be doing this week? You're doing uh, Sirius XM radio? Sirius XM. And yep. when do you guys go on East coast? You know, I, Don might know. I don't know. I'm not even sure. Yeah. Cause I think, I, I think, think you, you, you guys, guys are taking our yeah, like world radio. Early on. Yeah. So I don't know if we're doing, the afternoon matches on Thursday and I mean Friday and Saturday, and then a combination of the matches on Sunday. I well, think I would assume that you guys are going to be a hundred percent you guys on Sunday, but yeah, you're you're, you're the afternoon on Thursday. And Friday, I think so. I think that's Friday and Saturday. I'm kind of that's kind of what I'm hearing, yeah. and then we're going to have guys in the booth too to supplement a lot of your, with our stuff. Yeah, yeah good, yeah, good. That's so I, that's that's what I think. So maybe we'll get to work together. I yeah. should I should know that. Well, I, I, I don't know what either, so that's why I was asking. It so is, we'll see because it it's just a little over a day. Well, it's it it, yeah. it only impacts for for my yeah. audience of people in North America, but where they intervene. Yes, and we will. We just don't know exactly where, <laughs> but it is happening. So we're going to get a chance to work together. Anyway, thank you for your time. You my got friend. It. We very much appreciate you always joining us. Uh, when we come back, I will talk to you about some media, and that is how to get your coverage of this Ryder Cup. Uh, when we come back, we're going to talk about that in, from the television side. And again, it's going to be focused on those of you who are in North America. The Fairways of Life show is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Log on to DeWiz Golf and check out this amazing wearable device. It's based on neuroscience. Explain that. It measures your golf swing in real time and space. Fact, it is definitely a swing monitor, but the myriad of data that you get back is going to become a swing modifier. So you can play your game like you've never been able to play it before because you're going to know it like you've never known it before. DeWizGolf.com for more. More of the Fairways Life Show when we come back. And when we come back, we're going to talk about how, when, and where. I guess hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger be began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. 
Boeing Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boeing Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boeing Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to boinggolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. <laughs> Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. What if we started a company and the company was under no time constraints, no financial constraints? The one constraint is their clubs had to be exceptional performers and much better than any other alternative. I was told time and again it'll never work. It worked like a house of fire. And I'll tell you what, I think our customers love it. BXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary three-in-one design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart. The decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. Welcome back to the Fairwinds Life Show. Pleasure to have your company. As you join me on camera, you're going to see Carney is still here because he's writing down where we're going to dinner tonight. What's the name of the place? Casale del Fernaccio. Casale del Fernaccio, he said, is the name of it. So looking forward to, to that coming up. But I did want to go over some air times for, for you guys so you know where you can get your coverage of this Ryder Cup from Rome. Um, it starts Friday on TV side. It starts Friday at 1.30 a.m., and it's on USA Network, okay, 1.30 a.m. on USA Network. Saturday's the same start time, 1.30 a.m. You're good, Carl. Don't worry about that. He was, he was closing curtains for me. He's, he's doing all kinds of stuff. Uh, 1.30 a.m. on USA Network. But then at 3 a.m. Eastern, all these times are Eastern, it's going over to NBC. On Sunday, it starts at 5.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. estimated finish. And, again, these are Eastern times only on it and NBC. Right. So that's that's the the schedule so far. As far as the radio side goes. One a.m. Eastern. So this answers the question. See, Dom had the info the whole time for me. All I had to do was ask. One a.m. Eastern time is seven a.m. local and seven a.m. is when my team goes on the the international uh, world radio feed for this Ryder Cup. So we'll be on from 
7 a.m. And then they will pick up, they being the serious uh, XM crew, which is Carney, John McGinnis is here. I think Colt Nost is here. Uh, he mentioned Drew Stoltz, um, Brian Katrick, uh, B -B -B Taylor Zarzar. Those guys will kick off for the afternoon sessions on Thursday and Friday. And then I fully anticipate, I haven't asked him this, but I fully anticipate, as we are saying on Sunday, that they'll have the singles all the way through from what would be 5 a.m. Eastern time onward. Okay, so that's the, the radio side of, of what's going on with this Ryder Cup from Rome. Uh, Dom, did you, did you have the LPGA as well? Uh, I don't have the LPGA, no, but they're, um, uh, I do have it in the rundown. They're on Golf Channel. Yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the, the Walmart um, Northwest Arkansas Championship Arkansas Friday and Saturday thing, at 2 yeah. p.m., Sunday at 4 p.m. So what are you hearing from the people? Anything coming in today? What do you think? It's Ryder Cup week. There's a lot of stuff coming yeah, in. Um, How long do you want me to talk here? for? That's the question. <laughs> Just talk um, with your hands. Let's see. I have to admit I own nothing about the course. Um, MBT3. Matt, the greens are usually greens are usually a feel right from the beginning. The architects usually know how undulating they want them to be before the first one is even hauled out. And then oh, Paul no doesn't doubt. like my survey yeah. question. I got What's a lot that? of crap for my survey question today. I don't know what it is. Which is garbage. It was, is Marco Simone a good venue for the Ryder Cup? Seems like a reasonable okay. question. Now, they, a lot of people said, well, how are we supposed to know? We haven't played it. We haven't seen it. Fair. That's fair. Fair criticism. However, there is a lot of materials online and content around this Ryder Cup, obviously. You so can now watch you're assigning homework? hole-by-hole hole drone footage. You can see it all and make a make a decision for yourself, but you didn't like my question, so I guess it's a crap question. Do you think it's a crap question, Matt? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Great, thanks. All right, moving on. Uh, Derek, I stayed in the same hotel as the Sky Sports golf team, so I saw McGinley, and Iona run around a few times, and I got a cool selfie with Iona. Remember, Derek is... Uh, in Morocco, and he's the one that went to the Solheim Cup. He's so talking he's, about Iona Stevens, again, who works for. There's a lot Sky of Golf, there's yeah. a lot of conversations happening amongst the people, not really about what we're doing. They're asking him about his time yeah. at the Solheim Cup, um, and uh, I continue to take more crap for my question. Uh, crap for the question. My my survey question sucks. Dom, you suck. These questions suck. Who's making these questions? And so on and so forth. <laughs> They're talking a little about the, uh, a little bit about the the weather. It's going to be very hot. How that may or may not impact uh, the Ryder Cup, I don't know. Uh, there are uh, – where is the – I'm going to look for the comments, see if I can read it exactly. Someone was – um, here we go. David said, based on the course videos, I think if they don't cut the cups on greens, obviously, in impossible places, these guys will eat this course up. Cindy responds, the DP World Tour has events here at this course, and their winning scores are typically in the teens under par. So based on those comments and you spending time on the golf course, do you anticipate low scoring? Um, yes, I do anticipate low scoring. I anticipate low scoring because all the players at these competitions, as we've seen many, many times, and in particular we saw last year, or last week at the Solheim Cup, they're all so focused that in many cases, not all, 
distinctively, but in many cases they're playing some of the best golf they they play all year when they're here because because of just how razor sharp they are. So, uh, yeah, I do expect that. I mean, I don't know how it's going to be reflected because it's match play, but I do expect that you're going to have to play extremely well to win, meaning win mat- sessions and win matches. Yeah, you're going to have to play really well. DM says tactical course so Americans can't play stupid smash it and bash it like they love to do. Uh, do you think that I that's totally true? Agree. I know they've got I, tiers of uh, – I know what they've done with the rough. You can explain it better, I'm sure, but they have a, a very low cut off the fairway where if you miss the fairway by five yards, you're kind of okay. But if you miss the fairway by 15 yards, you're screwed. Is that right? No, if you miss the fairway by five inches. Um, so that, that statement is, is 100% accurate. The setup that I saw – was very similar in from a from a from a setup concept standpoint as what we saw in Paris, and I think the setup was the principal thing that cost the Americans last time because of the philosophy. They just would not. They didn't play chess. They tried to bring the course to its knees, and they just bashed driver everywhere and got themselves in all kinds of trouble. Whereas the European side kept picking it with an iron or a hybrid or or something less than driver off the tee. So. Yeah, I I don't I didn't catch who you said made that comment, but I totally agree with it. I think it's going to be uh, it's it's going to have to be a strategic golf course because of the way they have it set up. And as I mentioned to you, many times they're going to be coming in with second shots into these greens, and if they choose to tuck a pin, say say Europe's got a lead, right, and they're nursing that lead, they could tuck some pins and make it very difficult for Team USA to catch up. Interesting. Uh, we've got some people talking about the odds here, talking about who the betting favorite is. Uh, Vegas in the United States has, basically has it at even odds. Right now the U.S. is minus 120 and Europe is plus 120, which basically means you know you bet $100, you win $20. And they're basically saying that for everybody. So you're, you're, it's, it's even odds. There's a couple uh, booking houses in the United States, at least, that are giving Team USA a very slight edge right now. But essentially, we're at even odds right now on uh, whatever it is, Wednesday, heading into the Ryder Cup. Wow. So okay. even money right now, which is interesting. Uh, Paul says, watching, I'm going to say the name wrong, Matt, because you yelled at me earlier. I guess Ludwig Aberg is not the way his name is pronounced. He's talking about him being an interesting. Watching Aberg will be interesting this week. Um, Andrew, can you put his little placard up that we have for, for Ludwig? Matt, you were talking to me earlier before we came on the air about his, his last name being mispronounced. How do you pronounce his last name and his native language? He's Swedish. It's not how I pr- pronounce it. It's how he pronounces it. And so for, for the World Radio feed, we made a collective decision that a person's name is their name. And his, he's Swedish, and his name is, is pronounced Olgberg. And so that's the way we're going to pronounce it, the way the way that it's supposed to be pronounced. Uh, Augberg, Augberg, like A-U-G? Augberg? It's almost like, it's almost like A-U-B-E-R-G, so Augberg. Um, Augberg. It's like an O, it's like an O with a line over it. So it's like, it's like kind of soft sound coming in, but that's how you say it. Now, what happens sometimes, especially when you have international players like this, is they make a decision. Don't try to say it correctly. You guys are hideous. Don't even try to say it correctly. Just call me Ludwig Aberg, and that's it. And if that happens, we'll call him what he tells us to call him. But right now we're trying to say his name correctly out of, out of respect for him because he's correcting people and saying that's not how you say my name. 
Well, regardless, Andrew, put that back up. I, I, I would love to get your thoughts on this a little bit. What, this is something I said to Matt before we got off the air and maybe, excuse me, before we came on this morning or afternoon for him and for many of you watching. But I think, I'm going to call him Ludwig because I obviously can't say the last name right. I think that he is the greatest wild card in terms of we don't know what to expect in the history of the modern Ryder Cup. Because, as you can see right there on the screen, he turned professional in freaking June. He was playing at Texas Tech in January. He was an amateur golfer. He's only had basically 12 professional starts, and he finds himself on the European Ryder Cup team. What I said to Matt, and Matt, you can rebut me, but I'm curious on your, your thoughts. I think he's the greatest wild card, and I anticipate he will either be a lightning rod and play out of his mind and be hyper-focused and be a shocking superstar, or he will cave like you can't believe and be useless. I would be surprised if he was in the middle. I think it's going to go one way or the other, and I think it's fascinating to see how it's going to unfold because this guy is such a wild card. Matt, do you agree with that, and have you seen him out there, and what do you anticipate from him this week? I have seen him out there. His his general persona is very chill. He, he doesn't. He's not the type of guy that seems to get up or down in terms of his emotions. So I think that's very formidable, obviously, in professional golf, but in particular at a Ryder Cup. He also seems to be the template of a lot of the young golfers today. I'm not talking about necessarily those at the top of the game, uh, because if you look at Xander Shoffley, Colin Morikawa, Rory McIlroy, none of those guys are big guys, right? They have great, great golf swings, and, and they're very effective with them. Well, Ludwig is a big, strong, athletic guy. He looks to me like he could easily be doing uh, like backstroke in the Olympics. It's kind of body he has. Long, lean, wide shoulders, small waist, strong. He has all those attributes to him. What's more is his swing is relatively uncomplicated. It's it just, There's not a lot of, of moving parts. Obviously, there is, but it's very simple. And he can generate a lot of power with it on account of what I just described to you and because of the way his, his golf swing works. Considering the fact, as you saw from that graphic, Andrew, if you put it up, that he just turned professional in June. Let that sink in for a second. He just turned pro in June of this year. And in 12 pro starts, he has eight top 25s. And he's already a winner on the DP World Tour. And it's incredible what he's doing. He'd be third on tour in strokes gain off the tee and third on tour in driving distance if he had enough starts to even qualify as being measured. That's how unique it is. So what Don was talking about before we went on the air is, would you agree that this guy is in a position unlike anything that we have really seen in the game of golf, at least since, you know, you talk about the, the game as we know it now, the modern Ryder Cup which you tell me where you want to go back to that. I, I tend to think it gets defined with the captaincy um, of Tony Jacklin, but it doesn't have to be. You, you, could, you could say, no, the, the, the Ryder Cup as we know today really didn't kick in until 1991 in Kiowa. I wouldn't argue with that, too. I could see that. Uh, some other people would say, no, 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 no. It didn't reach its pinnacle into, into the runway that it is now until 
1999 at you know Brookline. Eh, it's true, but I, I would I would tell you it started before that, and it did. I mean, you can't discount Kiowa, uh, but but even before that, when when Europe came over and started to win, when Europe won, uh, that was in 1987. But when Europe won in 1985, that breakthrough was so dramatic. And then they win the next one in 87. That was back in the USA at Muirfield Village when Jack Nicholas was the captain. Yeah, that was incredibly significant. Setting up the battle of 89 at the Belfry, which set up the battle of 91 at Kiowa. And from there, it was off the races. In 93, the United States team won what would end up being, little did any of us realize, the last time that they would have won on European soil. 1993. That's right. It's been 30 years, which we keep talking about. And the only thing I said, I did another interview for uh, another journalist here today, and they were, they were talking about the fact that Team USA hasn't won in 30 years and 30 years and 30 years. And I said, has anybody considered for just a moment that part of that is a sensationalism? And everybody buys into it because everyone, what, what are they trying to do? They're trying to sell clicks and eyeballs and ears and papers, and et cetera, Right. The United States is holding the Ryder Cup. And somewhere it's almost lost in the conversation over here because the only conversation they're having is, hey, you haven't won over here in 30 years. Okay, but the last time they competed, they won, and they won in a record fashion of 10 points. So I have a feeling that the American Ryder Cup team, when they're back in their team room, they're, they're looking at each other and going, don't forget who is the, the owner right now of the Ryder cup. It's still in the possession of the United States. And frankly, the, the way that Solheim cup finished in a, in a draw that could easily happen this week with the talent of the, of these two sides. So long winded answer to the question you asked me, Don, but, but yeah, that's, that's, I think the significance of, of Ludwig. Sure. A few, uh, a few more things here before we say goodbye today. Uh, Derek says Spieth's driving will be a liability. Paul says, Speeds should get away from Titleist clubs. It's interesting also. I saw a lot of stuff coming up about uh, his fingers in the press conference. A lot of people asking about that. Andrew, I think you have a picture from the press conference. On his right ring finger, you can see there uh, what looks like a cut of some kind. I actually believe that is a long-standing callus. His, he is a ball beater, as you know. Matt was talking about it earlier. Here is a picture of just a year or two ago. Those are Speeds' hands. That's the right hand, the right ring finger. You can see the callus and the, the, the bulginess of it just from just pounding balls for decades. Um, he's a range rat. And you saw him out on the, on the uh, practice area or practicing on the golf course today, Matt. Andrew, why don't you put Jordan Spieth's card up there? Um, you saw him practicing, Matt. And of all the people you saw, you said, I think you also mentioned Sam Burns, but you saw Jordan Spieth and you said, you know, he still feels, it feels a little technical. You got Paul yeah. saying, get away from those titleists. His driving is going to be a, a liability. You can see there on that little graphic that we built for, for Jordan Spieth, he's obviously got a tremendous amount of uh, lineage between the Ryder Cup and the President's Cup. He's one of the most seasoned veteran players in actually this entire Ryder Cup between Spieth and Justin Rose and John Rahm, kind of Rory. These guys have played in a lot of these events. But you don't see a lot of stats up there because Jordan Spieth isn't ninth or eighth or 15th in anything. He's not in any of those stats right now doing spectacularly well. So what are your thoughts on Jordan Spieth, Matt? I mean, are, 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 we, are we to 
to lean into his veteran status and assume that he's just going to figure it out, or is he lost right now? Oh, I don't think he's lost. I, I don't. That that wasn't what I was trying to say with with Jordan Spieth. He's, you know, Jordan's got a Ryder Cup record of of eight, seven, and three, which a lot of people thought would be better than what it is. But I'd like to caution and say it's still a winning record, uh, which which full stop is still good. Um, what I saw from you asked me about Jordan looking technical. He did. Uh, did he look more technical than everybody else? He did, but that's also Jordan. Um, Jordan's fidgety and he's got, he's got a lot of stuff that he's working on. I watched him doing <laughs> stuff with his, where he, where he was putting his elbow and, and it, it, you know, I don't spend a lot of time watching Jordan on the range and probably because for me, it's hard to watch him. It like, it, it like, it like kicks in your ADD and everything. Um, I like, I like watching great ball strikers. So I spent time watching Victor Hovland. I did spend a lot of time watching Scotty Scheffler, um, strike the golf ball today but what happened was those guys started to depart to go to the range or go to the tee i also had to leave but but for the few minutes that was was left over it was it was just a few players left there hitting hitting shots whether it was a you know driver or fairway wood or iron and jordan was one of them and it was just a lot of stuff that he was working on it looked like every swing he was like trying to make sure he was in the right position trying to make sure this was in the right position blah 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 didn't see free, seem free and easy. And while a lot of people would read into that, I'm sure, and say, well, that's not a good sign at all for Jordan Spieth. We're talking about Jordan Spieth. That's who he is. That's what Jordan Spieth does. Uh, it, it seems like he's got, he's got multiple voices talking to him in his head all the time. That's Jordan. So, so no, I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any particular concern for Jordan Spieth that rises above uh, just generally observing Jordan Spieth as Jordan Spieth. When it's getting to a point, I remember we were talking with John McGinnis being part of the broadcast team, and John McGinnis said, said a, a quote a few years ago. He was talking about Bubba Watson and, you know, the, 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 whole, the whole old line. You talk about someone and say, you know, it's like a barrel full of monkeys. And he was talking about Bubba, and he said, but when the monkeys fly in formation, he can be unstoppable. And while I don't think Jordan is to the same level of, you know, all types of impulses and thoughts racing at him at the same time, he's, he's somewhere in that same family, I do think. And when Jordan Spieth, I'm not going to necessarily say when he gets outside of himself, but when Jordan Spieth starts to become Jordan Spieth, the, the, the artist, instead of Jordan Spieth with trying to hit a, you know, a nail with a hammer, then he's a Jordan Smith that can be a world stopper. And, and in my observations of Jordan, there are two ways that Jordan Spieth does that. Either he just starts to flow on his own and it flows. That's why you watch Jordan Spieth do stuff like miss little putts here and there that drive you insane. And by Sunday afternoon, he's in the mix to win a t golf tournament. The other way that Jordan Spieth has traditionally done it in the past is he gets mad at himself. He gets really mad at himself. And for some reason, when Jordan does that, it seems to snap him out of, anything else and his mind just says do it just do it in other words react to target and not making sure everything's in where it's supposed to be uh, so you know i don't know whether that's that's the exact answer with jordan but that's what i thought i saw i don't think there is an answer i just think it's an interesting discussion point uh, before we say goodbye and there's still lots of stuff coming in matt i'd love to talk about maybe one or two other players that you think might uh, be moving the needle or might have 
might be under the radar. One name that I wanted to bring up, as, as everyone knows, I like to watch the press conferences, and we've been giving you little clips here and there, but I do think press conferences are a little bit of a window into where a player is at a moment in time because they're talking for 15, 20 minutes at a time, and it's hard for them to avoid uh, so it's hard to it, it's hard to avoid the space you're in if you're sitting talking answering questions for 20 minutes, and I thought that Terrell Hatton was very loose in his press conference, and I thought that that was interesting, and you know he's a very fiery guy, and one of the things he was joking about in his press conference is how much he curses. They were asking him, "Do you curse more than everybody else on the team? You know, are you are you the champion? You know, swearer." on the European team, and he's like, oh yeah, anytime, any place, anywhere, I'll beat anybody <laughs> with the swearing. So Andrew, put his stats back up there. I don't know if you've seen him on the grounds yet, Matt, and I, you see his Ryder Cup record is not the best right there, a two, four, and one, but he's, you know, seventh on tour in strokes gain total and seventh in strokes gain putting, which as we all know, is, you know, of vital importance during the Ryder Cup. And he's a big-time winner on the DP World Tour. What do you think? I mean, I, he looked really loose to me in the press conference, Matt. Do you, could you see him playing a significant role here? Yeah, I mean, he, he doesn't have a great Ryder Cup record. He's 2-4-1 and one, uh, in two prior Ryder Cups. The Ryder Cups are really emotional anyway. So I can't tell you that, I, that I'm coming into this Ryder Cup that I have a sense that Terrell Hatton might go, you know, four and zero or or five and zero. I don't I don't have that sense with him. Um, I can't tell you that he's he's a classic as a personality and he's been playing well. Um, nine worldwide top tens in 2023. You can see there from the graphics: seventh on tour in strokes gained putting and seventh on tour in strokes gained overall. Those are really really good indicators of form coming in. So is he capable of it? Yeah, he's 100 percent capable of it. Uh, he hasn't really shown us that that's what he does here in the competition. And I, I don't necessarily think he's consumed by circumstance, but he may be impacted by the fact that when he doesn't play well for a partner, it's harder than not playing well for him, you know, swearing or otherwise. So yeah, that, that fair enough. Well, give me, then give the, me like one or two most, others, Matt. Give me, you said, Oh, I, I don't well, get I'll a sense you, that this person's we, going to be undefeated coming here, in. Who's going to be undefeated coming in? Here's, here's my comment I'll make to you because you, you're looking for me to give you names. The most chill person that I've seen at this Ryder Cup yet, just, and again, you're, you're forcing me to read body language, which, which you seem adept at doing, I'm, I'm reticent to do, but, but because you asked the question, I'll, I'll answer it. Um, the most chilled person that I've seen at this Ryder Cup so far in my mind is Patrick Cantlay. He just, he just seems to be floating through unimpacted, unaffected. Um, and, and one of the interesting things that I saw, which I may have mentioned in this show, forgive me if I repeat myself, but it was the par four fourth. No, it was a par three, uh, par four third. I beg your pardon, par four third, 453 yards. He a driver missed the fairway by about a foot, maybe two feet. He was just, it was, it was less than five feet away from Brooks Kepler was on the right side of that fairway. And he couldn't move the ball forward. He had to hit it almost sideways, about 90 yards up the fairway, and then take his chances from there at the par four and try to get up and down and to save his par. Uh, but he was unimpacted. He just, he just seems to be floating through. 
Um, I would tell you he's happy in his, in his Patrick Cantley sort of way, so I think he's happy. But even that was was hard for me to tell. Uh, once again, he wasn't wearing a hat, just like he just like from the last Ryder Cup when that picture was taken. I don't know what that's about. When he plays on tour, he wears a hat. He doesn't do it at the Ryder Cup for whatever reason. But he just he just seems to be unaffected by the whole thing. Again, I'm reading body language. The other one that I saw that seemed to be really in the moment and having a great time was Tommy Fleetwood. And when Tommy Fleetwood came down, you know, there's, there's a big, huge stair. You go up a flight of stairs, then you go you do a huge crosswalk, then you go down another flight of stairs to get to the whole practice ground. That's how the players get to the first tee. So they kind of rise above all the people. And I watched uh, Tommy Fleetwood coming down the stairs. And as soon as he came around the corner and the people that were in the grandstands at the, at the driving range saw Tommy Fleetwood and, and they just started clapping. They did it for everybody with, with great passion for the European players. And he was coming down the stairs. He's doing this big wave to everybody and this huge smile on his face. And he just, he just stayed engaged with them the whole time, a true, like kind of man of the people and the ability to, to enjoy and to feed off the fan base in the moment. Now I realize momentum can go the other direction and, and people that are very emotional like that uh, tend to tend to ride those kind of flows and ebbs. Uh, but the Tommy Fleetwood that I saw reminded me of Tommy Fleetwood from Paris when, when he and, Francesco Molinari were such a formidable pairing and he was really, really enjoying himself and really having fun. So those would be the, the two people, one from each team that, that stand out the most in my mind uh, as such. So anyway, Dom, we are going to be on the air again tomorrow. Uh, tomorrow is open yes, ceremony sir. day. Uh, you can hear us, our broadcast team. We're going to be on the air early tomorrow. I believe we go on at 10 a.m. local which is 4 a.m. for you guys on the East Coast of the United States or adjust your time zone accordingly. Uh, and you're going to be able to hear us out there. I know, I know I'm working early, and then I have to work late for the opening ceremony. So I'm looking forward to it. I, I, I'm getting really pumped up and really excited about uh, this Ryder Cup, as always. And my instinct is that it's going to be an incredibly hard-fought match. I don't see what happened at Whistling Straits happening this year. I just don't. I think it's going to be very, very tight right down to the end. Do you have anything else, Dom, as we say goodbye on this Wednesday? No, we got plenty of stuff to go over. I'm looking forward to to spending some more time with you on site uh, tomorrow. I I want to hear more about what you see over the next 24 hours on property. And like you said, with the body language, I think there's a lot. I think a lot can be read into that. I'm already, I'm already really interested in some of the stuff that you've said so far with some of the people you've run into and, and watching people mess around on the, on the, on the grounds. So uh, I'll be very curious to see what else you see in the next 24 hours. And, um, you know, we can do some more specific predictions tomorrow as far as pairings and who's going to win and what the score is going to be. And we can go over some more info for some of these players that we're keeping a close eye on. But, yeah, it's hard, it's hard not to be super pumped up, obviously. This is... For you and I doing, I mean, we've been doing shows for 16, 17 years, and it feels like when the Ryder Cup comes around, when the Masters comes around, we're just as pumped up right now as we were in 2007, 2010. It doesn't matter. We're just still excited about it. It just shows you where golf is right now. It's very exciting. Oh, yeah. yeah, I was, I, I went on the air, too. I was supposed to go on the air at 10 a.m., did go on the air at 10 a.m., 
and I'm walking around our production trailer at 7 a.m. And one of the one of the producers just turned to me and goes, this is like Christmas morning to you, isn't it? And I was like, yeah, it's it was that cool. So looking it's forward awesome. to sharing more it's of the awesome. sites. It is awesome. Uh, looking forward to sharing more of the sights and sounds of all of this with all of you uh, tomorrow as we continue on the Fairways of Life show live from this Ryder Cup in Rome. You can see I have the curtains open behind me, so everyone's coming by and saying hi, and there's glass in front of us, and they're all saying hi. It's it's, it's a big reunion for everybody, too, on top of everything else. So uh, until we are together again, folks, be well. Thank you, and goodbye for now.